And so I was like, is this taco lady being racist to me? Oh, we know everything about everything. The, the Great Reset is exactly what we do. You know, just like, shut the fuck up. I'm just trying to pay the electric bill. Like They're like, well, you need to fund mega corporations <laughs> and buy stocks. The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. No, we're starting the podcast right now. Tell us what's this, going on. This just has... Action. Okay, so sometimes I'm laying down in bed, you know, you know, somebody just have like a thought. I don't have just one. I have like 10 That's million I mean. and I think, would these stop? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. Sometimes mine put me to sleep and then, but because they're putting me to sleep a little bit, they're like getting me into a weird dream state. Like I'm somebody who can just close my eyes and my mind is so active that I've like, I used, I haven't always been able to do this. It sometimes, like it used to make me not sleep, but I think I've gotten to where like the thought, the racing thoughts are like comforting to me. It's like some people need to watch TV or something to like kind of get sleepy and fall asleep. To quiet the mind. I've gotten to where I could just listen to my thoughts and they'll put me to sleep and they're totally random. But what happens is sometimes you think your thoughts are TV in a way like I could just lay there for like an hour with my eyes closed and it's almost like I'm sleeping, but I'm not really. But you know how when you get into like a weird dream state, it's almost like when you smoke pot and then like dumb ideas seem really amazing. (laughs) So like I was, I'll be like laying there and I'm like, oh my God, that's so good. And then I have like written them down and then I wake up the next day and I'm like, what so i texted you i put this whole text to you there's like a, this long text oh and at the end of the text i didn't send it but at the end of the text i had finally remembered realized like this is a stupid thought so i just typed this whole thing out and then i put dot 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 never mind this is dumb but what i was thinking was i'm just gonna tell you my thought oh my processes God. it was so weird oh, okay that's so funny though because that's how dreams are too i feel like you have a dream and you're like i have to tell you this dream and then you go like tell the person and you're like Actually, as I'm saying this, none of it makes any sense, and it's not interesting. I'm so sorry for your intelligence. Well, this. so I was thinking, again, just totally random dream thoughts. I was like, what makes, like, why are the French, I had read something that like just mentioned French architecture, and it was like, it's from some movie mm. or something, and I was like, everyone loves, like, French stuff. Like, people either love the French or hate the French, but, like, People that are either loved or hate are like something, there's something interesting about them, usually. Mm. And I love the French. Yes. If you have no critics, you're doing something wrong. Or maybe don't have, maybe be more like Switzerland and stay out of everything and people just leave you alone. You can run the world. But um, I was like, what's with the French? Like, why are they like so, from my perspective, like, why are they so badass? Like, why are they so cool? Like, they have a cool language. They have like, Everyone like always is referencing them like, oh, let's like do this in the French style. Like they have got, had French fashion, French architecture, French style, you know, they were chic and this and that. And then it dawned on me. This is just like a secondary thought. Maybe they're not cool. Like maybe the French are losers. They're just like these losers with funny accents that just stumbled across all of their culture like accidentally. Literally, though, like, so this is where it gets like really dreamlike and like fake, like I'm just making this up, but kind of like how the pyramids weren't built by people kind of idea, you know, like 
So why? How are there so many castles oh, around God. the world in Germany? And so you're like, this these things can't be real. Like we built all these ca- like just thousands and thousands of magnificent castles. I don't know. That's hard to believe. It's possible, but it almost seems like a different lifetime, like a different world completely that built these things. Like it wasn't us. It wasn't mm-hmm. this iteration of people. It was like a different iteration, and we just came along and inhabited them. So when I watched the what's that? thing with uh, Arthur, the sword in the stone, uh, Merlin. I think I watched a show called Merlin is what it was called, but it's that story. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. in that story, even they, which is like an ancient, you know, they're like living in ancient times, swords and dragons and all this, but even they- The round table. Exactly. But even they in that show, and maybe this goes with the lore, I don't know, but this like great palace place they lived, they were like, we don't know who built this. Like- this is like mm. some other, so this is some even more ancient shit, but it's like, but the show's ancient. So the story's ancient, but the thing in the story is even more ancient. And it's just the castle, just like you'd see anywhere. So I, anyway, so it's that kind of line of thinking. And I'm like, think of how much of like a loser that makes you, mm. you know, to not to find something cool and be <laughs> like, wow, this is cool. Like, we'll take it. But like to find something cool, a lot of people believe like an uncontentious version of this is like Egypt, you know, like, oh, these Egyptians like just have some cool shit there. And they like made this whole ancient story about themselves, about how badass they are hmm. and ancient they are. Like the pharaohs and right. everything. But a lot of people say, no, but, you just, hmm. they just stumbled across this stuff and like said it was there. And so you have the the finks, they're the sphinx, the sphincter. You have that big lion thing. <laughs> That's what I was and, thinking, uh, yeah. It doesn't, the head doesn't match. So it was like clearly redone later. Like architecture right. gets worse over time, like repairs that were done, like the more advanced we got, somehow the worse we were capable of like repairing our structures, you know, just like cheaper materials, not as good a craftsmanship, just weird stuff. So I'm like, maybe we did that really with all of our history and ancient past, but maybe and something like that, like all of this stuff was kind of like already here in a way. I don't, whether it's technology, I don't know like how this is again a dreamland thought here. But wouldn't it be exa- wouldn't the world be going exactly like it's going right now if the if like the I'm going to use the term like the Illuminati, like the the ones who know, you know, who started the story, who decided let's tell a story about this. Wouldn't it be going just like it is if that's the kind of losers that we're in charge of everything. Like, and it led me into that same thought again about like pride, like this, especially like a mm-hmm. false pride. Like we know everything that's going on. It's just, a, it's like a kind of person that once you figure out they're a fraud, you're like, Oh, like everything falls away immediately. And you're like, these people suck. And it seems like that's where it is. It's like, because mm-hmm. we always, when we talk about like what's going on at the top level, it's like you have to like hold two things at once where you're like, these people are like retarded and incompetent and like don't even seem like they know what day of the week it is. And they also seem to be running everything meticulously. Like, how is that happening? And maybe it's because <laughs> all they're in control of, they're not in control of anything. They, they just stumbled across everything. But they're the ones telling mm. the story. And as long as they could tell the story, it doesn't matter if it's true. As long as everybody believes it. Yeah. So 
That was a really so roundabout way, but that was the dreamland thinking that was like just happening to me last night as I was falling into sleep. I was like, oh, the French are so cool. Oh, what? They're probably just losers with funny accents. We just found all that stuff. It's not really French style. Oh, wait a minute. What if the whole world run oh like God. that? It's just a bunch of losers running around going, oh, we know everything about everything. The the Great Reset is exactly what we need. You know, just like, shut the fuck up. All you people are idiots. Shut the fuck up. I, yeah, well, one, my dreams are troubling me. Not my dreams, but my falling to sleep, like, visions and thoughts. I'm like, oh, my God, my mind's is racing. My, my mind's, mind's, all my mind's are racing, racing at once. It's <laughs> troubling. <laughs> They're in a race with one another. Um, yeah, no, my mind is racing recently. I'm like, oh, my God, too much to think about. Um, because, yeah, it's... Uh, well, it can be depressing. Ever since we had the episode with Johnny, I feel like I've been a little depressed. Um, just a little tiny bit depressed. Well, but partly because yeah. if you start looking into all this stuff, you're like, are we going to have to, like, end civilization? You know? So you have those kinds of thoughts. And um, anyway, though, I was saying, though, it was interesting because you brought this up because I was like, I feel like we have this conversation every week. And we're, like, having this debate. And I think it's, like, the answer is probably that it's both. But I feel like our debate is kind of, is the world really run by a cabal, like, a conspiratorial group of people with power? Or is it just, like, like archety- Like the archetypal is like, evil is running everything. Yes. And we don't even know that we're being bad as we, like, everyone's doing everything all at once. And it's just these archetypal spirits that it's just, like, forging us ahead and, like, propelling us to do things right and evil has like a pattern or something so it looks like a conspiracy you're like you see the pattern you're like oh it must be arranged it must be you know a conspiracy and it's just that's the pattern of bad so i don't know i think it's probably both like probably people do get together and whatnot but uh there are some things just like some weird unexplained things like but you're saying the civilization, like where, so say you'd, you know, forget yeah, the whatever. That was like just who a, knows that was just a spawn. True or whatnot. Of a thought. Yeah. But the pyramids are like <laughs> that. We, the, we're pretty clear now that I don't know if the Egyptians did build this, uh, how, because they were doing things that we now, can't there do today. Are, so how did they get these granite slabs there, in here? How did it literally, get there's so big? architecture around the world. Like, I don't know, somewhere in South America, or maybe it's Gunam Padang that, like famous, but there's these stones that are stacked and they're literally perfectly oh, yeah. stacked. You Not only can you not get a piece of paper through them, which is like fine, like you can make a flat surface, but like they're like a puzzle. Like these stones are like intricately carved, like Tetris and stuck. And right, put they're not together. like squares. No, it's like totally random and, and like, you would every block is a unique shape. You yeah. literally would not do that today. Like it, you just wouldn't do that. It'd be too much. Like it would be too expensive. It would take too long. It would it's like it's just kind of unheard of. You would you might make a facade. And the story we've told is like the it seems literally like the only explanation is that they like melted like it's like cement, you know, like they made these rocks. Like how how else could they have done this? Because you don't find Tetris rocks. You didn't like look through fifty yeah, exactly. trillion rocks to figure out which ones fit together. You shaved these, and they're not. It's not like they shaved a little bit off. Like they're perfect. It's wild. 
Which is hard. It's like a hard point. I mean, if you try to do that yourself, it would be very, very difficult to carve exactly the right shape. We've tried to do this with the with a bathroom one time. We tried to tile a bathroom. And if you oh ever God. try to tile something incorrectly, you will learn very quickly that you you need to stop that shit, okay? And it's it, fucked up. It's something about this makes me think of that Gary Kasparov. And I bring him up because he's like, it's like a topical kind of guy. Like he's very mainstream. He wrote the book Deep Thinking. He's... He was a world chess champion, the first one to like, kind of the last one to like to like beat uh, AI, what a computer mm-hmm. basically in chess. Wrote a whole book about it and everything. And I, I think I mentioned this before, but like apparently he has this whole theory where like history, it's, I think his 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 idea is like the history is like real, but there's been a story overlaid to where it's like compressed the time. So he like, I think he like doesn't believe that like the dark ages maybe even were the dark ages or that they lasted that long or that this era lasted that long, like was actually like this and lasted for this amount of time or was this widespread, like that these stories have been overlaid over events to like tell a a future generation of people. And it's like somehow that, I only bring that up because he's not the kind of guy that would go out on a limb and like get himself canceled for being a conspiracy theorist. He's like, you know, a New York Times bestseller. I chess, chess for a living. Yeah, he's just like a chess guy. So yeah. there's something to all of this, like, <laughs> stories, man. It's all stories. Everything's stories. Well, and at least there's something to it, because didn't uh, Plato even say he had that idea of, like, the noble lie, like the one noble lie? Yes, I was literally going to bring up Plato, because not only that, that he had this whole theory, okay, like Socrates, whatever, who knows? But he had this whole lie. I mean, this whole this whole lie. He did. No, he had this whole theory that you you end up with to make like the perfect society that you have to have right. uh, this. And it's like very like it's not like it's it actually I guess it kind of is. It's like very eugenicsy. I mean, it's not like focused mainly on on killing like off losers or whatever. But it's like it's definitely a mm. component of it is there's like kind of kind of like breeding programs and there's also like storytelling so like this new generation like this new world you'll have to like tell a great story and you'll have everything will have like he's fundamentally focused on like the truth and he believes that in basically a technocracy in a rule by experts a rule by philosopher kings is what he thought Mm -hmm. and he wasn't like malicious about it he's like they're not going to be rich like they can't be you know yada yada they got to be like humble and stuff but that we have cool. to. But they got to begin with one great lie, you know, a noble lie, a good lie, to like make everything go well. But also, mm. there was a thing that. What is the noble lie, though? By the way, is it just like this is the reason why it has to be this way? Is that the sort of lie or something, or like this is the way things are or have to be? Or what's the idea of the noble lie? Could we look that up? <sighs> I don't think it's explicit i think you can if you read plato's republic and you read some of his writings i think you can garner some idea of what it might be but Mm. according to wikipedia the in the plato's republic a noble lie is a myth or a lie knowingly propagated by an elite to maintain social harmony um oh so it's to maintain social order or something yeah and so Hmm. So he yeah, says well, Plato presented the dark. noble lie in the fictional tale known as 
the myth or parable of the metals in book three. So you can kind of like read mm. a lot of Plato and kind of get what his ideas were in theory. Plato didn't have his own thoughts. It's confusing exactly what the historical truth was about Plato. But Plato wrote prolifically, but all his work is in the form of dialogues. So he doesn't say mm. anything. He writes down literally like conversations. So it'll be like name, colon, and then what that person mm -hmm, said, mm -hmm. then another name, colon, and then what that person said. They have these conversations. And none of the conversations include Plato. They focus around Socrates, who didn't write right, anything. Right. But Plato was writing them, the conversations of Socrates. Yeah. And he makes Socrates seem like the smartest guy that ever lived. Um, so another thing that Plato writes, though, so I, so I watched, have you seen 2001, A Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick? No. Okay. Stanley Kubrick, obviously well-known film genius from a bajillion years ago. And in the 2001, A Space Odyssey, it's just, it is, I could tell you the whole story arc. There's some like monkey people on some planet. They like invent technology that starts with like a, a bone. Like they live like harmoniously. Then one of them like kills another one with like a bone. And then a a big black monolith appears. And Wait, then, what? yeah, it's dude, it's the trippiest movie. So this big black monolith appears. Then at some point there's like spacefaring people and they're like humans. And... They're like on some mission. The AI computer on the ship like tries to take over, kills all the people. And then this guy ends up in another place because he turns off the computer, the AI, and gets to this place. And then some really trippy shit happens. Like just like a like the scenes in the show on this movie are so long. Like it's to, nowadays, everything's like 30 seconds, every 10 seconds or two seconds, <laughs> yeah. just a screen cut. Not in this. It's like 10 minute scenes mm. that is like these flashing lights. And for like five minutes, you're like, what's what, what am I watching? And I think he's just showing off his technical ability because it was way beyond its time of the ability to do what he was doing mm. in this movie. Yeah. So he's like, you're like, what? What's happening? And then there's a guy, he like gets into this place and he, he's like, and like, this is where the French architecture thing came from. And he's like standing there. He's looking through a door. He sees himself as an old man. He walks in, he disappears. Then the old man's there. The old man touches an older version of himself in a bed. Then the monolith appears. He like touches the monolith <laughs> and then he becomes an embryo and he's looking at the planet. Like it's very confusing. And I was like thinking about it. I'm like, wow, was that really deep or like what? So I start like coming up with what this must mean, you know, because I'm like, it's such a famous thing. And I just watched it. How, what kind of a loser am I? I don't, I don't understand this. Like, of course I can understand. Let me just think about it. <laughs> so I'm thinking about it and I'm kind of coming up with ideas. I'm like, I just don't really know for sure. And I said, certainly somebody's done an analysis on this. So I just mm -hmm. look up mm -hmm. 2001 Space Oddity Explained. I just say Oddity, Odyssey. And, uh, <laughs> Space oddity, that's what it is. Apparently, there's this interview he gave where he explains it. This hmm. is going somewhere, by the way, that incorporates Plato again. So let me just read it to you because it's wild. Oh, okay. Well, while you're looking that up, it's so weird that you brought that up because that is 
two things now you've said reminded me of The Witcher, which is a show on Netflix I've been watching based on a series, book series, I think. Mm-hmm. No, it's actually and, based on a uh, video game, I think. Oh, it's based on a video game. I think Whatever so. We watched it. Yeah, but they also have these black monoliths in the Witcher show. I know. Um, there, there's so, something weird. That's why I'm like, this has got to be deep. What is this symbol? Yeah. Well, what does this mean? There's, and then the black cube of Saturn, perhaps. I mean, there's a lot. The, the oh, Jews, the really uh, orthodox Jews will wear that black cube on their forehead. Apple's headquarters in Europe. There's a headquarters in Europe that the building is literally a black cube. And it's like really weird. So there's symbolism in the black cube, like the black cube of Saturn. It's like some people, conspiracy people think it's like satanic. It's something weird. I don't know. I don't really know the truth of it. But I don't know. That's one thing. The other thing is that, uh, yeah, it goes down this whole storyline where they kind of talk about lies, you know, like someone told a lie in the beginning to like get something going. And then. Essentially, and you hear this like archetypal story get repeated in different places and whatnot, different stories where someone tells a lie and then it cascades into lies and lies and all these problems emerge because of the lie. And then the person ends up having to die. And they're like, the best thing I could do would be to die. And like, this needs to stop this whole trajectory where we started with a lie. She's like, I thought it was good, but it turns out it was not. And the noble noble lie wasn't so noble. Yeah, a deeply embedded thing, I think, in our psyche or something. Yeah, so check this out. This is, so in a 1980 interview with Junique Yao I don't know how to say that name. There's like apostrophes and stuff in it. Um, Kubrick offers his interpretation of the film's ending. This is, the, this is Kubrick. He made the film. This is what he says the end is. Hmm. I literally, when the first time I read this, I was like, I don't even think I understood what this guy just said. He says, (laughs) I've tried to avoid doing this, but it's deep in a way. The why he says he avoided it is probably the most interesting part. The rest of his explanation just like breaks my brain, but it goes into the Plato idea here. So he says, I've tried to avoid this. uh, I've tried to avoid doing this ever since the picture came out. Would you just say the ideas? They sound foolish. Whereas if they're dramatized, one feels it, but I'll try. The idea was hmm. supposed to be that he's taken in by godlike entities, creatures of pure energy and intelligence with no shape or form. They put him in what I suppose you could describe as a human zoo to study him, and his whole life passes from that point on in that room. And he has no sense of time. It just seems to happen as it does in the film. They choose this room, which is a very inaccurate replica of French architecture. Deliberately so inaccurate, because one was suggesting, uh, because one was suggesting that they had some idea of something that he might think was pretty, but wasn't quite sure. Just as we're not quite sure what to do in zoos with animals to try and give them what we think is their natural environment. Anyway, when they get finished with him, as happens in so many myths of all cultures in the world, he is transformed into some kind of super being and is sent back to Earth, transformed and made into some sort of Superman. We have only to guess what happens when he goes back. It's the pattern of a great deal of mythology, and that's what we were trying to suggest. Now, Hmm. a couple points. One is, when you watch the ending, absolutely no way I got that from the ending. 
I had absolutely no clue there were super entity intelligences. Oh I did not know he was being abducted and put in a zoo. I had there it was just confusing. But if you think about what he just said, you're like, I guess if you were trying to do that in film in like the 19 whatevers, you would be like, how do I do this? Okay, we'll like make him warp through hmm. these lights and then we'll like put him in this room and then like he'll be like himself and then he'll be like old and he'll be even older and then he'll touch the monolith and he'll turn into a baby and then he'll be floating back to earth, which you kind of do see that. But that hmm. seems like he just said, to me it seems like... It sounds foolish, but when you see the eye, when you see it and it's dramatized, you feel something, you feel it, you know, but you didn't, I, but this is the thing about stories to me. I didn't feel that what he said, mm. I felt something else. I was going to, I was already coming up with some better interpretation, some more interesting interpretation, right? Mm. That's like deeper than what he's, he's like, yeah, there's these aliens and they beam him up and then they're like, oh, yeah, send him back to earth. And then he's a Superman. You're like, what? That's, that's dumb. Actually. That's not even interesting. Yeah. And maybe he's joking. They're not joking, but maybe he's just like kind of saying, I'm a film guy. I do visual. I don't even know how to say it. You know, like maybe he just has, he's bad at describing stuff or something, you know, like maybe there really was something to the touching of the monolith and. The food that he yeah. was eating when he was in the zoo. Well, there's something to that. It's like, uh, you know, like the brothers Karamazov or whatever, however you say that. Um, like people who write fiction or whatever often can, or Tolkien, you know, can capture really deep concepts without ever being able to explicitly say, like, scientifically, if you wanted to, like, what does actually this mean, you know, or whatever. So there's a story that Plato tells in a form of dialogues about Socrates. I've told this before, but it bears repeating. So he talks about Socrates going around and in the time, like some of the great, like it's, it's too much to really explain. I know too much to make it like simple, but like back in those times, like the great writers were like lauded, like the, whoever Homer, you know, ancient, you know, storytellers and, people who do these different kinds of arts like that, you know, Hmm. Uh, great Mm -hmm. orators Mm -hmm. and great storytellers, like that was important. So in this telling, this dialogue, Plato, or sorry, Socrates, written by Plato, is going around to all of these great people that told these great stories or uh, another great thing back in those times was to be able to interpret those stories even, you know. Like that was mm, like a, it is today. Still. Yes, exactly. So that was even a skill. So Socrates is going around kind of interviewing these guys because this is what Socrates does. He goes up to people who think they're cool and he's like, you think you're so cool. Tell me about how cool you are. And then he's like, well, it turns out you're just a loser. Basically, like Socrates <laughs> is annoying. He's kind of a bully. <laughs> he's a little annoying. So and uh, and he's ugly and poor and everything. So. He does these interviews and he decides none of these guys even know what they're talking about. They don't even know what they wrote. Like they don't even understand what they said, like the meaning that's within their stories. They don't even get them. So he concludes, and I think this ties into his theory of magnetic chains, uh, Hmm. that everything 
and this is kind of like probably in the magnetic chains probably goes back to Young's archetype, you know, or Young's archetypes go back to the magnetic chains too, probably mm. in some way that, so he, he concludes basically, if I remember correctly, that they're these great, whatever, storytellers, men of renown are linked somehow through these chains back mm. to like a source somewhere. And I can't remember what the source is, like a like maybe the gods or something like that. So they're mm. linked, 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 linked all the way back. And like by the time they're here, it's uh, basically whatever's happening to these guys is like a divine thing. It's like divine inspiration. And that that's mm. why they themselves don't even know. It's almost as if they're compelled to be what they are. Which goes into, again, like you can see the the threads of this in like Plato's Republic that like some people are warriors, some people are chefs and cooks, some people are farmers. So, and by dent of being linked back, not, by no fault of their own, because even when they're great, they don't know anything about themselves. They don't know anything about what they're saying, what they're writing. So it's kind of by nature or by this divine thing mm. that this is all happening. So I just thought that was interesting as it relates to like stories and storytelling and how we understand reality. I don't yeah. know. I, I sound like I'm just well, really rambling like psycho babble right now. I have no idea what I'm saying. No, it's interesting. I mean, I'm kind of like, well, is it the archetypes? Is it just the pattern of ideas being spread throughout the generations or whatever or from generation to generation? Or is it at some point someone like somewhere, somehow – a story got planted, you know, or whatever, like a seed got planted by someone, you know, and give us one miracle, kind of like the same thing, like the Big Bang, like <laughs> give us that miracle, like where, because even Young doesn't explain that. It's like, if so say you do take the archetypes or whatever, he doesn't explain where, what their source is. And this is the problem with all of these things. It's like, you get back to something and then you're like, but where did that thing come from? And you either, I feel like the solution is either, well, that thing is God itself, or there's another God who created that thing that is responsible for everything else. This is why I think the the pride thing is on me so intensely lately, because it's like, I don't know if anybody knows, even when they think they know, like even the elite, mm -hmm. like they don't even, it's like the path to hell is paved in gold kind of thing. You know, like they're like good intentions. Maybe. Yeah. They have no idea because because you can't because we as humans, like it's like we just can't know something like we're mm. somewhere. There was a disconnect. And the best we can do is come up with some dumb idea about magnetic chains to the gods, you know, or something. Yeah. Well, that also seems to be part of our nature, like what makes it what makes being a human being a human is partly that limitedness. Like you are not omniscient. You can't know everything. And that's part of the struggle. Uh, but imagine the mistakes that you'll make when you oh, yeah, think that, was, that yeah. you, you think you do know. So you think you're some freaking genius. And this is the exact, so like, this is like the kind of story that like takes away culpability from psychopaths like Bill Gates, though I don't want to do that. I want to believe that he's malicious and I sort of kind of do, but it's where, but he literally has floated ideas of blacking out the sun because right. climate change so is some crazy bullshit. Ideas. Buy and all the like, farms, black out the sun, release the mosquitoes. <laughs> and it's like, what after if, if you're, if you're legit and you think you're doing 
like God's work here, then your pride is gotten completely in your way and is is go and if if let loose on the world you would possibly actually destroy it like mm. you want to black the sun out you're like because because pride because Based you on your think, very limited understanding of yeah, because, the universe and the world you think you're like you're this the smartest is the right guy yeah he thinks he's yeah. so smart he's so rich he's got bones you know you can he's got ways to prove his greatness you know all this crap and it's like no though like Probably not. Like you probably don't know anything more than anyone else ultimately. And yeah. yeah. Well, that's the other thing I was going to say is like just being wrong. That's the other thing. I feel like I was thinking about this recently because I was wrong about something and like it's just interesting like how wrong you can be and how much of a shift like psychologically how like intense that could be like it could just be totally like not what you thought it was like when people thought you know found out for the first time that the sun you know was not orbiting the earth the earth was actually spinning all the time and orbiting the sun it would be just be like what like how like you can just be so wrong that everything is topsy-turvy like literally the opposite of what you thought was happening was happening yeah well so harping on plato a little more he talks, this might be the same story where he's talking to all the smartest people. And an, another piece of that conclusion is that Socrates is basically like, you kind of come away with the idea that he's saying, I'm wise and all you are fools. But the reason that you're fools and that I'm wise is because you think you know things that you don't know. And I know I don't know anything. And since I know nothing, I'm not wrong. You know, basically saying. Or at least I'm admitting that I know nothing. At least yeah. I know I don't know. That's and right. that was like a a you know that's another. There's there's something kind of there's different writings me or or give different vibes from Plato. Like when you read the Republic, you're like this guy's scary. When you read other things, you're like this guy's like the predecessor to Jesus. Like there's a lot of parallels between like Socrates and like Judeo-Christian emergent values. So worth reading. Um, I also wanted to say this about your whole Johnny thing about being like depressed or whatever with Johnny. and yada, yada. Oh, yeah. So I heard so Jordan Peterson talk to Spotify's decided to do this thing now where it auto plays things. And sometimes it auto plays things that I am not trying to listen to, but I just leave it. <laughs> um, so he's he ends up talking. I don't like. I, so my point being partially, I have no idea who this was, but some lady who was like a anti-feminist feminist or something. I I don't know. I wish I could remember. But um, one thing that comes out in that conversation is that she is an atheist and always has been, mm. and she says it multiple times. And you get to see a little bit there how that uh, tugs on Jordan Peterson a little bit, you know, because I yeah. don't think Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson analyzes the Bible and God and stuff, but he doesn't say that he believes in God or that he's saved or that Jesus is Lord. He doesn't say any of that stuff. He just says things like, there's a lot of meaning here and blah, blah. Very, he likes to be very fence city, even though he acts like he's not. 
but you kind of see it pulling on him too that he's he's reacting to her atheism by going hmm. well though well though but you know you know uh cuz atheism I no feel good, like his stance you know? is like I'm not an atheist but I'm not a Christian <laughs> I'm a Christian but I'm not a Christian is what he seems <laughs> yeah, like. like I believe in God but I'm not a Christian but I'm not an atheist also and I'm not agnostic he's like <laughs> yeah. he doesn't want to choose which I understand that but feel so the what, same sometimes exactly but that's which is why I'm bringing this up so she says I'm an atheist blah 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 and Jordan Peterson points out something which I think is something that he's experienced and I think many people are experiencing and I think that's maybe what you're experiencing what I'm experiencing what a lot of people are, are experiencing now which is why you're hearing so much that not a, it's not heavy heavy like from the 90s but there is like this kind of wobble and tilt towards uh I don't even want to use the word religious, but like kind of like people are tilting that way a little bit or like kind of, just for even for a moment going like, oh, I don't know. That's kind of weird. Oh, apocalypse. Oh, Mark of the Beast. Oh, Raptor. Oh, things are getting kind of weird. Oh, I don't know. Is this really going to go on like this forever? You know, it's like making people a little a little open and even yeah. almost against their own will. I feel like you're like, I don't want to be a Christian, but like Jesus Christ, are these the only people left on Earth that have a stroke of sanity? Um she actually, just as a side note, is afraid that the vacuum will be filled by, uh, because she's from uh, that other America, what's it called? England or Britain. She believes that it will, the vacuum will be filled by Islam because that's kind of infiltrating their country. But What vacuum? Like if governments were to fall or something? The or vacuum economic of, order were to of, disintegrate. Of, yes, of nihilism and of nothingness that's caused, that oh, people are going yeah. to reject. I think is kind of, that's my interpretation, but something oh. like that. Because it gives them order, because it is a very stringent and sturdy religion. It's a uh, set of rules. Very rule-oriented, <laughs> yeah. 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 Like no drinking. It's very Mormon, but with a military, like a militant twist. Militant um, Mormons. So... But he says, he's kind of perplexed a little bit by her atheism and says, but, you know, kind of you encounter all this evil, right? Like, it's like crazy, you know, and he's wondering what drives you if you're just an atheist and you kind of believe nothing, you know, why, why fight? What are you fighting against? What are you fighting for? Why does it and, matter? But basically, Jordan comes to a point where he says something like many people find themselves coming to God when they didn't believe by encountering the devil. So you don't mm, see yeah. a God out yeah. there, you know, in the world, in the goodness, but you, you encounter pure evil and just some, and just wrongness and just bad, like, like we see with child sex trafficking, like there's something horrible, you know, or yeah. whatever it is. And you go, and I think sometimes that encounter with the devil is what he was saying points you directly you if unless you embrace it you you go well there must be the opposite of that because that's dark as shit mm. and so i thought that was an interesting take on people's modern day discovery of something greater than themselves and outside of themselves is like well i'm experiencing pure evil everywhere that i turn and it's dark 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 and they're just it's making me realize that there's something else. Now, I worry, just as a side note mm -hmm. again, that that might be recognizable, that that might be on purpose, and that problem, reaction, solution, that 
that the storytellers, the elite, are going to co-opt yeah. that impulse and yeah, do something maybe. and give us an alternative to the evil at mm. some point. Because there's no way they think they can take the like. There's no way they think they can add the, you know, the minor attracted persons to the LGBTQ, and no one's gonna pitch a fit. Like, you can't just right. you know what I mean. Like Literal that seems pedophiles. Like, right. So we're going that direction, and I don't think people will broadly ever actually go there and i don't think that they think that they will do that either i think that they big t they are pushing people to get a reaction from them and i don't know what the agenda is beyond that or mm -hmm. it's archetypal and they're completely and utterly deluded and they actually think that that's i mean that lady on jordan peterson said that the cops yeah, came to, to her house the cops came to her house and like confronted her. I don't remember what the outcome of this confrontation was, but because she had said in English untoward things about minor attracted people. Uh, translation into American English. She said pedophiles were bad people. So the cops showed up oh and said she was doing hate speech. What? So maybe things oh are God. going in a weird way. I don't know. I I don't even know if you can believe this lady. But I'm just saying that's an interesting phenomenon, right? I think it's maybe there's something there with the whole Johnny, yeah. the reaction you had to like how what Johnny's whole story and worldview was and you yeah. and it's it's like here's an alternative. He's like it's like he was saying here's an alternative. You see all this stuff, you're just going, ah, I don't know, flailing in the wind, but there's an option. You know, there's an alternative. Mm -hmm. There's the there's the pure good. Yeah. What about that one? And you're like, well, I don't know. I guess I know. I'm like, because I do see the things. You're like, this stuff is evil. It's bad. These people want to control the world. We had people lying to people about these vaccines, making them take them. We're finding out that they were seriously injurious to your health. Um And they were mandated and people knew that they were bad at the time and told people, that, you know, so it's like it's just wow, that was dark. That was a dark time. Like how, like, and nothing really has changed. If anything, we're like still going down that road. We have a president how, who's waging his war it? in the Ukraine. Yeah, like and how dark is how that? deep so does that rabbit these, hole go? All of these things have like a devil advocate possibility, like that's not as bad as it could be. So like the vaccines could have been pushed mm. to kill everybody and reduce the population, or it was just for money. They were just trying to make money on selling vaccines. The war in Ukraine, everyone just thinks they're trying to do a good thing for the Ukrainian or they're trying to demolish Russia and completely pulling off an operation to destroy the world. Start World War Three. You know, like this. We don't know what's what story is true. How dark is it? Yeah. How dark is it? Yeah. And that stuff freaks me out. And I think the giant thing, I mean, it just doesn't take much for it to be like, well, you know, someone wrote this book a long time ago and a lot of the things it says are like very analogous to some of the things we're experiencing today. And then you're just like, well, that's interesting and seems true. But if that's true, some of the other stuff in that text is confusing, crazy, crazy. I don't even know how to believe some of the other things in that text. I do not know how to believe them. They are the most wild things. You can't even believe them. Like. You can't believe them, like, cognitively, like, rationally, because they don't make sense. You have to, like, accept absurdities. And I think that that's the tension. But then you're, like, when you do that, you, you open about, yourself like, up. 
the behavior of God or are you talking about like magical things that are just like really magic happened? Like that's crazy. Well, yeah, part both. Like there's like the behavior of God. You're like, that's tough to deal with. How did God do this? You know, but then also like Mary, you know, virgin mother, born God and God created the universe. You know, so there's like so many levels of like this doesn't even unbelievable. It can't compute. Yeah. yeah, it's literally fantastical. And so I think that that's the struggle. It's like when you open yourself up to believing those sorts of things, you open yourself up to all sorts of crazy stuff. Like you could just believe anything. You know, if you're like, well, I'm not going to evaluate it rationally. I think that's the fear. It's like, well, then I might believe anything and that anything could be really bad. Like I could believe, you know, uh, the exact opposite of goodness. I could believe some crazy fantastical story about like how, uh, you know, Satan is good and like, well, we need to do bad things to make the world a better place. And we need to block out the sky. So I think that that's the tension for me. It's like, and that's the deep anxiety and the wrestling with God and the Bible. Cause it's like, I understand that intellectualism isn't the answer. Like it isn't God. Like the intellectual rational spirit is not going to solve all our problems. It's not what created the universe. It's not goodness itself. But so then there's something superordinate to intellectualism. And I wonder about that because I'm like, well, how do we, literally comprehend it and then maybe we're just back at what you said a second ago it's like you just literally there's some things we can't understand being people well that's the and it requires quote. faith like when you say it it's it loses something but when you feel it and you mm. experience it then it's means something even more but but that's weird to me too that's that's also troubling to me i'm like well that means that i can interpret your story not according to what you intended and differently than everybody, anybody else, you know, but it's like, well, then how is that truth? You know, how, I don't know. Then I'm back to Socrates. I'm like, well, I guess I'll be smart by not knowing anything. Like that'll be my superpower is to just disbelieve everything or just not believe anything. I mean, you know, I don't even know how to say it. Yeah. I mean, it really is this conundrum and I feel like you have to take an, a leap of faith, you know, literally like a faith like to believe something it's an act of courage um there is a prayer in the and, bible that somebody says he says help me uh i just always thought it'd be a funny prayer yeah well help me with I, my disbelief like i don't believe so i guess i'll pray for believing like help me stop not believing like i because i just don't right and i don't want to be led astray that's the fear is like i don't if you open yourself up to believing anything, it's so easy to be led astray, I think. And that's the fear is that you would be manipulated or used or become a vehicle for any number of things that aren't true or good. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I do I, want to I bring think, this other... I think, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I think there's room. I mean, this is just my human interpretation, and which probably makes it blasphemous. But I think there's something to... That verse, I it stuck with me since the moment I heard it or read it a hundred years ago when I was not but a wee lad. Right. And <laughs> Paul saying, because there's such a mystery in this. What does it mean? What was Paul? And it's like it works because you don't know. If you knew what Paul was talking about here, mm. you might be able to rationalize it as not applicable to you 
somehow. But because he doesn't say what it is, it becomes like a parable almost, and it becomes applicable universally. And what he says is, I have a thorn in my side. He's praying, and he says, I have a thorn in my side. And we already have explained, there wasn't a literal thorn in his side. If there were, he would just pull it out. So he's right, a metaphorical. A I, have a, I have a problem. It's bothering conscience. me. It's me, and it's in me, and I want this out. I'm done struggling with this. It's killing me. I don't want it anymore. And he said he prayed, I think he said he prayed three times. And God said to him, nope. And I think his answer was, my grace is sufficient. And that's deep. And mm. for the New Testament, it's different. It's a different vibe than the Old Testament. It's kind of like saying, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to not struggle. You don't have to be a saint. You just have to be you. And that doesn't mean like, so if you feel like you're in the wrong body, he's not saying that. He's like, part of it is he recognizes it's a thorn. That's different than going, right. check out how badass my thorn is. Everybody needs a thorn. Everybody should be whatever problem I have, you know, because probably it was something I liked. I mean, I superimposed my own opinions on it. Like, oh, he probably sure. was like struggled with lust or maybe he was, I think, I think he might've been gay. That's what I think Paul's problem sure. was. Sure, maybe everybody projects their own, you know, whatever onto that story and sees a little bit of themselves in it. Yeah. And, and I think, like I said, if you don't, if you don't know what he's talking about, it works better because you're like, what was it that you were struggling with? Now there's another place yeah. that a very similar thing happens where according to the law, like, which that's what the whole old Testament kind of is about. It's like the law. Right. Is, and this is a, a new Testament story that I'm talking about where God has a, a sheet it's weird. It's like a kind of a strange story. Like comes down from heaven and it has a uh, it has stuff on it and including like lizards or something. And oh. hang on a second. This is really let me read it. It's really interesting. Um Welcome to the Godcast. I'm so sorry we do this every time. It's so annoying. I know the Bible. This is what this okay. is exactly what we're talking about though. It's like, why is everything tilting religious? Like we don't even want to have a religious podcast, but it's like I can't there's no way to really talk about anything at a sufficient level of meaningfulness, at depth, without talking about it and at least weaving in some religious ideas. Okay. I don't, this ideas. is a yeah. new NIV version. I don't know. We probably should read King James because it sounds cooler, but um, this is Peter's vision. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened up and something like a large sheet uh, being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of his vision, the men sent by Cornelius found him, found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon was known as Peter. Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. 
uh, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, they literally don't explain it. But that's not, I'm struggling with something. That's God literally coming directly to him and saying, yes, this is against, this is like not righteous to do, you know, don't eat. Mm. You're not supposed to eat unclean things. You're not supposed to eat reptiles and like flying birds and stuff like that. But I'm telling you. Which to, didn't the God of the Old Testament do that? He, they were forbidden from eating certain things. Yeah, you could only eat animals who had a split hoof and chewed the cud. Right. So right. you couldn't eat pigs because they have a, I think they have a split hoof, but they don't chew the cud. You couldn't eat horses because they chewed the cud, but didn't have a split hoof. Uh, you couldn't mm. eat, you know, there's all sorts of different rules and stuff about like what was okay according to God and what wasn't. And then the New Testament comes along and everything gets kind of turned on its head. And it's really interesting to me that that exists. I mean, that's a whole nother realm of figuring out the continuity of that story or whether or not there is any. But I think mm. it says something about uh, now we knew people that believed that like the new Testament or something was like a conspiracy. I think those were like family friends and I think they moved out to like the desert to await the end times a while back. And they thought that Jesus and the new Testament, you know, which is where Jesus is, was like the antichrist and that it was all against God, all of these things that he was preaching. So no matter what, if you start intellectualizing and so stuff, many everything of... gets like so can become. See, so that's clouded, what I'm but... saying, though. That's like if you just start believing the Bible, it's like, well, what if that's true? Well, then it's like right. now you just believe some crazy nonsense, you know? It's so, so difficult. It's so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I can't make up my mind. I wanted to say two things, though. One, um, well, something that you said resonated. I was like, you know, this like religious tilt or whatever people have. It's so interesting because I don't relate to a lot of the people that I used to know in high school and whatnot. And I, friends that I used to have, I'm like, you know, because I was a smart kid and did well in school. And I had a certain, you know, the kinds of friends that you would assume I would have being that kind of person. And um, smart well, now kids, I don't relate kids. to a lot of those people. Yeah, at all. I'm like, y'all are crazy. And I feel very not of that, you know, kin or whatever. And then the people that I do relate to, I'm like, wow, I this is so weird. Like, why is Johnny this person I would have, like, not really been friends with in high school? We knew each other in high school. But, like, now I'm like, this person gets it. Like, we're on the same page. We're not right. really, like, on the same page. Like, we don't interpret everything the same. But, like, we're both interested in the same thing. We're trying to answer the same questions. I'm right there with you. Like, two college degrees and not even... Don't even think about it. Like I, and I thought about this recently. I'm like, I get in my own way a lot, just like with progress in life and like doing the right thing. And because I'm so floaty, I get stuck between two extremes, which is like, I can't do anything. Like I'm stuck. And, and these are almost, they're like so opposites that they become the same thing. Cause the opposite of that is I can do anything. I can do so much of anything that I'm stuck. And I realized that just just the other day, I was like, it just, you know, it's obvious, but it like just kind of hits sometimes thoughts that are mundane hit you hard. And you're yeah. like, I was like, oh my God, like I am the only one that can do anything for me. Like if I don't do <laughs> it, it will not happen. 
And I used to right. be a lot more effective and I've gotten a really lazy, like not lazy, but like really stuck lately, like kind of spinning my wheels, not knowing what to do. And with that came a similar thought, like what you're saying, like, I don't even know. So like I have this big sawmill and I have this tractor and I've got land and I was trying to do this thing. I'm like growing the mushrooms and I'm like, you know, like it just hits me from time to time because someone offered me a job not too long ago. Mm. And all I have to do, I think, is follow up with them. They had a little, they were getting married, so I got to wait, but it's pretty much ready for me to be like, hey, what about that job again? And it's so different. It's a totally different, it's like, well, but I have all this stuff. And I'm like, what do I even, who am I? Like, what do I even want to do? Do I, do I go like do this desk job? And is this a hobby? Do I sell my stuff? Am I going to, like, if I wanted to make good money to like put with Kim's good money, and like get what we want, which is land and a farm and a fucking house that's not covered in black mold and killing us, then I I just do that. Like I have to do it. And if I don't do it, yeah. I don't do it. Like it will not happen. So exactly. what am I doing and what do I do? And like an identity crisis comes along with that. Like who am I? Like I thought I was like sawmill day laborer guy but I mean, I'm I'm also like a guy that was doing that, that prior to doing that was writing like 600 pages a year of philosophy. Yeah. Well, so this is the other thing I was going to say is like, um, well, this is what I was saying earlier is, um, about the depression thing. It's like it feels hard to make progress, especially after talking with Johnny or whatever, because you realize if you do entertain those kinds of ideas that like, Things are he heading to hell in a handbasket or whatever. Things aren't good. You know, you need to be kind of, it's kind of dire maybe even, and you need to like get some things in order. Well, then it feels really difficult to make progress. And then I want to say too, because it's not just, well, well it when gives you hear you things a different like set of says, options. You're like, well, if this is about to happen, then I should do this. But if this isn't about to happen, then it actually makes more sense not to do those things and to do something else. Right. So well, you literally that, get stuck yeah. going with like an actual analysis. But the, what do they call it? A paralysis by analysis. Yes, yes. And the other thing I was gonna say is like it's not just that though. Like I think I think a lot of people feel this way. Like we had this new person start at my work um, who's fresh out of college. There's a lot of people who are fresh out of college coming in, you know, to the corporate world, tech company. And uh, I always enjoy talking to them because they're not worn down by like corporate yet and they are so <laughs> right. idealistic and they have energy and they like say things that you're like yes that's so true and you're like it shouldn't be like this it should be more like what you're saying and you see how it's a little like idealistic it's a little untethered from reality but you're like but we can do that like that could be made manifest we just would all have to be committed and there are a lot of people who aren't committed to that. And there's a whole system that's been erected maybe to stop people from doing that or that would be hard to change to get to that place or whatever. So it's just interesting because I do wonder this, though, when I hear these young people talk, you know, some of them, especially the really bright ones, uh, the ones who wrestle with God or whatever question, feel this existential crisis or whatever, feel the way of like, what should I be doing in my life? Like, what is meaningful? Is this 
the the direction I should be taking. And that's the same kind of feeling I relate. I'm like, I don't know how to make progress. Like people are like, well, just get on the career or whatever. And then you're like, well, maybe I won't do that. And then you think, okay, well, I'm going to go do the simple life or whatever. I'm going to go do my own thing, be self-sufficient. I'm going to go do the farm, live off the grid or whatever. Like get out of this system that is inflammatory, like my immune system reacts negatively to that is harming me. It's not good for me. Like I need to go to a healthy environment or something like I have that kind of thought. Still got to pay your property taxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Still and then be, the other thing. Got to have one foot in the system at all, at all times. I feel like I'm also related or I also, I'm also related. Wow. <laughs> I also relate to that lady and that talk with Drew Pearson where it's like, well, some people find God through encountering pure evil and that makes you think I would be abandoning something if I didn't hmm. try to reckon with the evil that has been encountered. Yeah. So, well, and I think there's a couple of questions that come up. Like you might ask, like, where could I do the most good? Yeah. You know, or because like when I think of, I mean, it's, it's no uh, mystery. Like we're related. And so I, Think about like your future too. Sometimes I'm like, oh, what you know? I just oh, Ben's like doing his thing and whatever. I've, I've watched, yeah. we've watched each other grow up, and I'm like, I get that. So what I see in you, this is like now it's a therapy podcast. Uh, what I see in you <laughs> is like, you have that conscientiousness, which conscientious in the psychological definition, like capable, hardworking, intelligent. Um, and there's I've met other people like that too um there's another word that i want to use to describe is it fastidious what does that mean i feel like that might be it or something like that um meticulous or something industrious entrepreneurial maybe even but you're in the non-entrepreneurial world but i feel like you're getting exposure and i feel like you're you see you, you've done a couple different industries, big companies, fairly middle, not middle management, but, you know, somewhere in there, middle tier kind of guy in an industry that pays middle tier guys well. And you go, oh, well, this seems all right. Let's try this. And then it's not all right. And then you're like, well, whatever. There's a new one. I'll do this one. Let's see. This one seems all right. Let's do this. And what I feel like maybe what could happen and maybe this happens to everybody is eventually that experience is just, you've been punched in the face like 50 times and you go, you know what? I figured out what to do. I shut the fuck up and uh, just whatever, just, just, just make the money. Who cares? It's all just, all that matters is so then no, mm. none of your, uh, your spirit or your mind and all that matters anymore. You turn all that, off and you try to channel what what slivers left of it into like the work that you know you have to do to make people go okay thanks not give you hell and pay you the paycheck and i don't know in that system if there's like a breakthrough moment usually that breakthrough moment from what even from what people are told that have those higher positions they tell you you just got to stick with it. You're young, you know. I didn't make my big break until okay, yeah, so I'll just wait till advice. I'm 60. Yeah. You know, it's like just wait, just time. Just keep putting in the time and eventually you'll be rewarded for your dedication to the company. Or 
sometimes I have a vision of you. I'm not, I'm just saying that's the thing. I don't know where you go with that. Maybe you break through, you have a genius idea and you get up in there and you make a difference. Possible. Or you get punched in the face 50 times and you go, wait a minute. I just realized that's not even, I'm not even fighting somebody. I'm literally, it's a punching machine. All it does is punches in the face. That's all it does. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going up, I'm putting quarters in the machine. I'm hitting I'm the play game. Bag. Yeah, you're the punching bag. So maybe you just figure it out one day, your stroke of genius, whatever, and you go, I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna figure it out. This is bullshit. And you make something because that's how you make real money. Well, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, that's the struggle, too. It's like, I don't know. Because I wonder, you think you have this experience of it where you're like, oh, corporate sucks. I could do it better. You know, and that's kind of like the thought I have. It's like, I could do it better. Like, if I got to hire the people I wanted to and got to build the company I wanted to, it wouldn't be like this. And I do think, I question that, though, even. I'm like, it probably would be like this. You know, like... It probably just is like this because this is what it tends toward. You know, this is what companies I, and organizations and tend toward. I think those are the things, though, that you're learning now. You know, you're learning now what is and isn't going to always be true. You know, and it might be the case that, like, it's always true mm. that, like, there's some level of, like, utopia, utopian ideas have to be compromised to some extent, sometimes, or all the time, but that there's some something else there, though. And I don't know, like, I'd, it'd be worth yeah. almost, like, investigating, like, just asking people who have done a couple different things, because I feel like, like, our mom worked at a couple different places throughout her life, and one of them was that small business with Kip, and it was like, that seemed like people that worked there, it was such a small business. I think people were fairly well compensated at the, you know, top yeah. level. Something it about like, it was really special. And I think eventually it did get. It got bad, though. It got yeah. bad people. But those but it was so evident what happened. It was like the, mm. the boss got greedy and said, mm. we're going to lie to the customers. And basically that really rippled that quickly rippled throughout that company. Like, cause it's a small company, like immediately it was like, Whoa, like people were like stepping down. People were like, I'm not going to do that. People were like taking different positions and all sorts of like, you know, it was like, it really quickly had these ramifications that might be the kind of thing that happens. And it might, that literally might be the cause of it. It's just like the hearts of men like are weak and they do these stupid things and it gets messed up and it's not it's no better even if you're making more money at what cost you know at the yeah. cost of all these you don't feel this responsibility for your customers and you don't feel responsibility for your employees and i think that is high stress to be in that position especially if you do have like a good heart you know to be like when you're a business owner and that level you can't just be like shit, I just need a break for like a month. Like I just got to chill because all these people yeah. rely on you. Like if you, they lose their job, yeah. they don't eat, they lose their cars, they lose uh, their exactly. house. You know, it's yeah. like, that's a lot of pressure. But maybe the solution is to like empower people, you know? I mean, I don't know because I think yeah. that's partially trying to maintain like a pinnacle of control perhaps. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. There's so much there. We could go on and on. Suffice, yeah, to leave it there for now. I wanted to come back to this other thing, though. So I was watching The Witcher. I brought it up earlier. But another interesting thing. Oh, sorry. This isn't from The Witcher. I, I did talk about The Witcher earlier, but this is not from The Witcher. Um, <laughs> this is from oh. a movie, a German movie that uh, is on Netflix. Uh, I don't remember what it's even called. Uh, but the movie, the premise is like uh, you can donate some of your lifetime to other people. So there's this whole company that gets started and they like figure out something about genetics where they can – young people could donate like say however many years of their life, 5, 10, 15, 40, 100. They don't have 100 years. but um, And they compensate you for your donation. So the, the longer you give, the more you get compensated. And essentially they target you know obviously poor people who are like – you know, the downtrodden who don't have any other options and they end up donating literally years of their life away. It's so metaphorical. It's like that movie where people have the time. Have you seen that where they have the mm-hmm, timer or something mm-hmm. like that? I can't remember what that's called. Yeah, with Justin Timberlake or whatever. Yeah, and you can Isn't always, the something? rich can buy more time and the poor are always having to trade a, a dime for a time, you know, back and forth trying to barely survive. They run really fast and the rich are all really slow and leisurely because they have hundreds of years on their clocks. Right, right, yeah. And so the rich people can become young again, yeah, so they can get the time donated to them. So they literally get, like, re, you know, enlivened, like they become young again. Obviously, this is all talking about adrenochrome. Yes, go on. (laughs) Yeah, so anyways, there's this whole movie, and, uh, well, so then there's this terrorist organization that's, like, trying to take them down. They're like, this is wrong, you know, like, this is... It's a form of like slavery and it's oppression and blah, blah, blah. And you need to stop doing this. Like we're going to kill everybody who does this. And uh, so anyway, so there it gets into this whole thing. I don't want to spoil the movie, but there's this point where there's a woman who's been made old. She gave up a bunch of her life and she's like trying to enact revenge because she was forced to give up like 40 years of her life. And then she's trying to enact revenge, and so she wants to steal 40 years of this young girl's life. And she's, like, literally taking her to the doctor, like, kidnapping her. And she's like, come on, we're going to, like, I'm going to take my life back. And But it's not, you know, this girl wasn't the one who took her life. Right? She's, like, innocent in some sense. And so, um, so the leader of the terrorist organization gives the lady who has been 40 years of her life have been stolen – she hands her a gun and she says, okay, you or the girl? She's like, you, you have one bullet in there. She's like, you need to, need to kill yourself or kill that girl. And uh, it's very tense. You know, it's like, what's she going to do? Why would she have to do that? It, they had been kidnapped by the terrorist organization. You're not sure why she has to do it. And then she puts the gun down. And then this is the key thing. The terrorist leader says, exactly. She's like, when forced with this choice, she was like, most people become pacifists. She's like, most people won't go through with this. But when it's arranged by doctors and scientists and lab coats and companies, she's like, everybody becomes complicit. And she's like, and that's what we're fighting against. And I thought that was such an interesting, deep thought. Like, because that is, that feels like, the problem like when, when people are so obsessed with like all this systemic systemic racism systemic blah 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 systemic problems 
And I'm like, it's not that the systems are the problem. It's that the having a system causes problems, like where you alleviate that, the responsibility. Yeah, that is so, I took me a minute. I was thinking and thinking and thinking, see if that could hit me deeply in 1000%. And I think that manifests differently for different people. The key word that she said, I believe a very key word in that quote is most people. Most mm. people become pacifists. But that implies that not all people do. There is a radical strain of human that becomes so deluded and so angry mm. and so nihilistic or whatever that they would do that. <clears throat> These are like so the people- So filled with revenge. Yeah. yeah, who literally do go hurt people or, or whatever. But yeah. that's such a true thing where if you imagine that situation in our context, not in like a movie, like what, what, what would that, where would that be applied? And I think you could apply it in many different ways. Like whether you're thinking of like reparations, like so- Right, exactly. You, you know, bring a black guy over, the government brings him to your house and says, all right, here's your reparations. It's coming from this particular family. Take whatever you want. Are you going to do, would they do it? You know what I mean? Like that's because that's right. the, honestly, because it's in a system, you don't see it that way. But what it really exactly. is, is that. And I think you could paint the picture similar in, in a similarly uh, stark way from their perspective where maybe that person has suffered from some for some reason, but I think what you find is that suffering is universal. Right, well, even it would not. work in the opposite direction, I think. Like if you took the rich family and brought them exactly. to the poor person, I think they would give them stuff. I think they would help them if forced with the actual reality of, oh, this person is literally suffering. Yeah, and but there's there is too such a, that's what's so important about the, the story of the disconnect. Because I think especially when we think of the quote-unquote rich versus poor, like that is the distinction which, f funny enough, they don't, they don't like, like the right. Illuminati or whatever, but it is the one that mm -hmm. is most palpable for people because that's the hardest one to imagine. Like you, so you take me, like here, here's an example. I was listening to the All In podcast, right? We got to bring them up. And the billionaires, they were four billionaires. They were talking about a bet they made. The oh bet, my God, I heard this. Yeah. The bet for losing weight for $10,000. And at the end of the discussion about the debate, they were like, whatever, I won't make you pay it. I don't care. But that level of money for even somebody like us. Yeah life-changing, completely life-altering. They, on the other hand, fucking forgettable pocket change. Forgot I even made that bet. Oh, whatever. If I knew that I was in a bet for $10,000 to lose X amount of weight, I just wouldn't eat for fucking five days. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it would be so quick. Like, I wouldn't even have to think about it, you know? Oh my God, yeah, literally. So, no, it's so funny. I heard the... The Pivot Podcast, Scott Galloway, he's like that NYU Stern professor of marketing. But he mentioned on there he donated $14 million to UC 
LA or UC Berkeley or whatever. And I was like, what, 14 million? You just have that money to give away? Like, what are we talking about? Literally, what are we talking about? But so my (laughs) point being, that's a distinction that's a lot more difficult to escape. Now, I think the biggest difference about with, with, I think that's why the 1% meme became a meme because the 1% versus the 0.0000001%, like there's a very wide array there. And there's different ways that people got their money. And where you draw that line, why you draw that line, if it's a unidimensional line drawing just about where the decimal point is in the zero between the zeros, that actually seems better, but that may be just as faulty because you really don't know. Each individual circumstance is unique. Like that's the whole thing about being a human. There's like mm-hmm. similarities and differences, rich and poor, how many zeros behind the bank account, all that stuff is, but that in a movie, of course, you make it a dichotomy and you ask the question and it's worth deep thinking. But once you've done the deep thinking, some of that power is drained out of the analogy when you realize how complicated, not like complicated, like hard to understand, but just how how many moving parts there are in any given situation. You know, like I know some some people made a business and made it big and some people inherited their wealth. And there's some old ladies in Arkansas that make pulpourri. They started just making it in their kitchen counters and now they have a a private jet. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's like that. And I don't, you know, I, I think most people, I feel like I would have the impulse to help people, but I've never worked hard enough to make that kind of money. So I don't know how you feel once you have it after having gotten it in, the, in through hard work and perseverance or whatever. But I feel like if I had private jet money, I would have a strong impulse to make things better where I could. Yeah. That's what you hope. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I hope. Not to take away from myself, but like if that's like, to me, that seems like excess. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. I feel like more people would be like that if it were a windfall, you know, if you became rich all of a sudden. But for most people, it's a small, slow thing. And I think that that changes your psychology about it. Like I even noticed that about myself. Like I'm, you know, we went out to like the outskirts of Austin recently to get some tacos and uh, we ended up at this taco truck where this lady did not speak English, and she did not seem to like the fact that I did not speak Spanish. Um, and so <laughs> we had to have this translator, and so I was like, is this taco lady being racist to me? Um, but uh, whatever, I understand, but it's real weird. So you in Austin, it's nice, like in downtown, like nice, quote-unquote. Like it's like clean and beautiful glass cities, new stuff, expensive houses, blah, blah, blah. You go not even like 15 minutes outside of Austin and there's like food trucks all over just like in parking lots. Like people are just like, that's what they're doing. You know, it's like, it's basically Mexico. It's like, we're just, we, okay, we don't need a business. Like I just pull this car up here and like, this is my business now. Okay. I'm setting up a tent and like 20 people are going to come eat and that's okay. That's what's going on. And so you're like, this is very stark. Yeah. And I was like, I don't mind either one though. Uh, yeah, I don't mind it. It's just like it was such a stark difference, and I was like, you know, she was like, no card, like cash only, you know, like even that, like it's just, and so I felt like, well, you know, it's interesting because I feel like I don't have a lot compared to other people. Like we only own one car, you know, and 
we don't own a home. We don't own hardly anything. We like literally are nomadic. All our stuff fits in a car. Like we don't have very much. But to some people, that's a lot. You know, that's a lot more than other people have. And uh, yeah, well, you have two paychecks. So, you know, decent. Yeah, we paychecks. have two paychecks. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's just interesting. I could see how like I feel distant from other rich people, but I'm already very distant from some other people, even poorer people, you know? So it's like, I think you're, you get deluded in that way. Well, another thing, this is kind of like a hot take I just came up with, and maybe someone said this before, but because our money is fake, you like this, because we have a, like a totally criminal system, financial system (laughs) where like, for example, fractional reserve lending and stuff like that, like that is so unbelievably corrupt. And what it does is, because so you have like you put your money in a bank for example and it's you can only insure it up to a certain amount of money and not very much two hundred fifty thousand dollars i mean more money than i have but i mean it's not very much and what that does is it forces you to spend the money on other things so that the money becomes non-liquid and so your Mm -hmm, money mm -hmm. even as like a a rich person can become kind of almost tied up in a way, you know, because now it's contingent upon the relative value of the assets. So you either have to like put the money back to work, you have to put it in land or in something, you got to do something with that money. You can't ever rest on your laurels. Yes, (laughs) because God forbid you have any leisure. It's a very interesting situation that makes it questionable well it's totally unakin to what would have happened normally it's like you would have been able to just like store grain or store reserves like some gold do store you could actually put all the money you had in the bank and they would just like give it to you when you needed it so you could keep paying your bills now it's like well there's a waiting period or it's in this asset or it's like (laughs) yeah i'm just trying to pay the electric bill like i just got to buy a car i just got to do a thing they're like, and well, that's you need why to rich fund people, mega corporations. <laughs> that's why stuff. they have financial managers and credit cards. Everything's on credit, even for the rich, because they go buy a $200,000 car in cash. Well, there's not $200,000 sitting in a bank account because that's not even insured. It'd be, oh you couldn't yeah, put it in there. You know what I mean? So you, you still got to use credit. Like it's such a corrupt system. But which is being waged against even the rich. Like those are rich people that have to be subjected to the system. And in fact, in a in a more hands on way than poor people. Well, they've got more to lose in some sense. A lot more to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And they could become destitute quickly. Yeah. Well, again, it's just not good to have a system where people are dependent on it because why? So why in that whole situation that I described earlier, why does the the situation is framed as this? It's like the woman who's given the gun is faced with the choice, kill the girl or kill yourself. The choice is not just kill the girl or not. It's like if you don't want to kill that girl, you are going to have to suffer a consequence. And um, I think that's the choice that people are presented with. It's like when you're dependent on a system, so like the doctor or whatever that's like, doing whatever crazy doctor shit, you know, putting people into gas chamber, putting people, you know, running experiments like Nazi scientists did, you know, mutilating the genitals of young people, whatever. It's like if you are faced with that choice, the choice is not just do it or don't do it. It's if you don't do it, lose everything, you know, like self-annihilation. And I think some people, the moral conscience is like, 
well, I guess that's I, I have to do that. You know, most people I think would be like, well, I have to not do this because it's so wrong that I could not go on if I did this. But there are some people where that's not true, you know, and the, the, the threat of self-annihilation is more important to them, more costly than the, you know, doing the thing that's so wrong against your conscience or whatever. Yeah, and maybe I think that that's all... the ultimate problem with systems. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we've all been sitting on a fence for a long stretch of prosperity and that the fourth turning has some truth to it and that something will come and it, we might be at a crisis point and there will be an awakening point and these times suck. I mean, if think of the conversation we'd have, we're having right now would be totally different if it was 17 76 or if it was the time of like this or the civil war that was that would have been kind of that would us like we would have been in that war and that would be um this i mean dire 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 situation to be trying to figure out we'd be having these same kinds of conversations different topics but like our types of people would be going I don't know. I mean, the North, the South, this, the slavery, though, but we're not, we don't really care about the slavery. Like, we don't even have slaves, but how do we got to, like, we don't want this big mega state and like trying to figure out what, how do we do this? What, what's the right thing to do? Like, do we need to elect the right Congress people to go up there and fight this battle for us? I mean, we don't know what they're going to do behind closed doors. I mean, you'd be having all these same situations mm -hmm. and you're forced to choose in a way. And there is another line from the Holly Bibble in Revelation. And he says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So that's God speaking. So he's saying, I wish you were one or the other, either cold or hot, but you're not, you're not even, you're not even cold. You know, you're not even wrong. You're not even, you're nothing. You're just sitting on the fence. And because you're neither one of those, it's like, like room temperature food, like, blech. like, I don't, I don't even, I don't like that for sure. I wish you were, mm. it'd be better for you to be one or the other. That's like a distasteful position to be in, according to. You don't have some critics. You're doing something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. maybe that's yeah. where we are. Just yeah. time to be hot or cold. Time to be hot or cold. Like Katy Perry put it. Exactly. You're hot. Then you're <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Then you're, what? No. And then you're wow. <laughs> <laughs>